welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster. I'm Chris Marone. And Chris, you are in your new digs this week. You got news yep. surrounding a new office. Same picture in the background. Actually, it's the new picture. The the new picture here. Uh, that's from Super Bowl One. That hang that hung in my grandfather's study for most of his life. And then when he passed away, I uh, was not willfully weeded, wielded, wielded this. I stole it. I hijacked right. it from my grandfather's study. Well, since you brought um, from, that up, who who played in Super Bowl One? Can you tell? Uh, well, I can tell because it's a picture of the Green Bay Packers side. There's in the the far the the background. There's a picture of Vince Lombardi standing on the sidelines. Bart Starr just handed off the football to the running back, and it's just an action shot from that. Who first did Super they Bowl. play in Super Bowl One? That is the trivia question for you. And if you can't answer correctly, Ooh. well, there'll, there'll be there'll be consequences. Uh, I want to see. It was was it the Chiefs? It's the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh. They won. They they lost the first Super Bowl. They were in the first Super Bowl, and they were Ooh. in the very last Super Bowl. We were champions That's true. there this last week. That's they true. appeared in in uh, the White House. Got their tour of the White House. So the <laughs> yeah, I just had to give a plug to my Kansas City Chiefs. Of there course. you have your background, dude. Travis Kelsey at the White House gave me life. <laughs> Right, he shook the hand and he like slowly moved over to the podium to say something, and Mahomes had to run. I was dying. Like I know a lot of that was set so up. But think if he could have just said, you know, we got to fight for our rights. I mean, that would have been perfect <laughs> if he could have just let him get out that line. Oh, that right. would have been a drop the mic moment. But yeah, that oh, was for sure. That was amazing. hey man, but you got to shoot your shot, right? Travis Kelsey, give it to him, man. He's not often going to occupy the podium of the president, so. Good for him for shooting a shot. You know what? If I ever got a chance to go to the White House because you won mm -hmm. something, I don't care who yep. the president is, what party, I am doing it, and I am taking video the entire time like the Kansas oh, City sure. Chiefs did. Uh, yep. I want to say, hey, Chiefs, act like you've been there before because, well, they're, they're going to be there quite <laughs> a bit have. over the next several years. More on that later on in the podcast. But first, we got to, uh, hey, uh, this podcast is brought to you by... Angels. Comedian of Law, CLEs that educate and entertain. We have informative and entertaining CLEs from Murdoch, a murder trial to Clarence Thomas and Supreme Court ethics. We have it all. And if you need your CLEs because uh, your compliance period is coming up. Hey, Chris, I know you like to binge watch Stranger Things and different shows. Ooh. Well, I like to binge watch a CLEs because I am mm -hmm. a procrastinator. I always wait until the last minute. I get my 30 hours of CLE in. Yes, I'm a Florida attorney. I did 33 hours in one setting. Uh, but hey, Comedian Law is a great place to, to do that. Also, I want to throw a shout out to who is not sponsoring us today. Is that is that fair to do or is that kind of bad? No, man. Bring them in. Form. Bring them in. Okay. Bring them to the conversation. Because, you know, we, we've talked before about deceptive trade practices and businesses cannot do that. So I want to throw by you a trade practice. And I want to ask you what you think about this practice. Is it a deceptive trade practice or is it just good old fashioned marketing? All right. You ready? Go, hit me. So I, I went to Nebraska Furniture Market this last week. I'm trying to buy some carpet for my studio here and for our, our stairs upstairs. Uh, and so they running, they're running a sale on, on carpet. Mm -hmm. And if you buy carpet, you get free pad and free installation. All right? So I said, all right, I like okay. this carpet. And let's go through it. And it's, they said, what kind of pad do you want? I said, well, it comes with free pad. This is what the salesperson told me. Oh, yeah, we know we said free pad, but here's the deal. It's just this paper-thin pad. We don't even sell it. We only bring it out when we run this promotion of free pads so that you can see what might be free, but you don't want this stuff. We won't even sell it to you. And so you, you might as well pay for pad because this stuff is a bunch of crap. Chris, was I hoodwinked there? It's not wow. free pad then. Well, technically, <laughs> it's free pad. They just it's free paper. It's free receipts that you can put between the carpet and the floor. So do you just line your, your floor with CVS receipts? You exactly. go in there and buy like a Snickers bar and you get enough for your entire room? That's what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> yeah. Kind of deceptive, but not to the level that you're going to sue Nebraska Furniture Mart. Oh, and so then it's a free installation, though. standard installation. And we're buying, we're buying a, a, a carpet for our stairs. So they came by to do a, a measurement of the house and the stairs. And our stairs are very standard. And I, I used to Allegedly. lay carpets. So I can tell you they're very standard. You just basically get one run of carpet from the bottom to the top. So it's just mm -hmm. one cut. And that's it. Yep. 
They're charging me $400 for that installation. So Chris, what, what is free about a $400 stair installation for carpet? What are, are they saying that your stairs aren't standard? Yes, and apparently. What, you know what I would actually love? You could totally ask them. Please explain to me what standard is. <laughs> I know. What is the what is the reasonable prudent person standard for stairs? There you go. So I don't that, know Scalia. if I, I do not know if I'm getting a, a new carpet here in the next couple of weeks. I'm gonna have to have that right. fight because if I'm not I'm not anything if uh, if I'm not cheap. All right. That oh. being said, sort of talking but you about not, you don't want to pay an extra like seven hundred dollars for something you thought you were gonna get for free. That's what I'm saying. Right. right. It's not cheap, man. $700 isn't a lot of money. Fraudulent advertisement is what it is. All right. Absolute jack wagons. Speaking of fraudulent products, uh, I have some products mm -hmm. here to show you because the Supreme Court came up with some decisions today. And one of Ooh. the decisions was Jack Daniels v. VIP. Mm -hmm. But before we get there, I... Okay, my wife belongs to this product called BarkBox. Have you heard of BarkBox? Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. We use it for our dog. No, you don't. Yeah. You seriously? Yeah we, bark boxes. yeah. we get bark boxes. We didn't get the blockbuster tape in our bark box though. I, I had respect for you and it is now gone down. But that, that being said, you know what I'm talking about? Every month they'll deliver to your house a, right. a, 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 some treats. treats and some Everything. toys for your dog. Yeah, and so yeah. one of the bark box things that we got was this bark buster. See, it's I'm a so video jealous. tape, a videotape cassette. Uh, the so movie jealous. is Drool Intentions. I don't know if you can see oh. Drool Intentions there. I'm Mark so jealous. And then oh let gosh. me read the back about Drool Intentions. It says three <laughs> purebed pups get more than they train for in this unneutered thriller. <laughs> it's rated. It's rated. Get this. PG two. And I can't read why, but it says two paws up from Sniffer and Ebert. And so there you go. Bark Buster from the um, Bark. Oh, oh um, my gosh. Yeah. All right. Next one here. We have the Yapper Keeper. Now, you might be too uh, young for this. Nope. Um, I had a Trapper Keeper. You had I had a Trapper, a trapper keeper. keeper in the 80s. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I had there a Trapper Keeper. All right. Trapper Keeper. Then they also had a double stuffed Barcos, not Oreos, double stuffed Oreos, mm -hmm. double stuffed Barcos. So my wife had to make sure to buy that. I say that because I like these toys. They're kind of fun. They're kind of cute. This issue went before the United States yeah. Supreme Court. So my first thought, Chris, is do they not have anything better to do with their time up there in D.C. than nope. talk about a bunch of dog toys? Hey, man, everybody loves dogs. I Everybody so. loves dogs. All right. So here's what happened in this case. So Jack Daniels, as you're probably aware, they sell mm -hmm. some alcohol. And uh, and so they um, uh, this toy company, VIP toy company, wanted to do a knockoff, I guess, if you will, on the Jack Daniels image. And so on this toy, instead of the words Jack Daniel, it says bad Spaniels. Kind of funny. Mm. I, I like that. Mm -hmm. And the descriptive phrase, instead of old number seven brand of Tennessee sour mash whiskey, instead it says the old number two on your Tennessee carpet. And so they're, they're having a little bit of fun. I assume you've seen these out there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now, Chris, I'm, I'm just curious. When you see this, uh, when you saw, let, let's just say when you see the, um, uh, the Yapper Keeper. Were mm -hmm. you confused as to who actually produced Yapper Keeper? I would assume it's some dog toy company. <laughs> or or I, Bark. I, 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 do, I, don't, I don't think, yeah, I don't think like Blockbuster, which, you know, has been defunct for 25 years, uh, is putting out dog toys. They are they, on they the could. hard time, so maybe they try to branch out and now they're doing they dog could. toys. I don't know. But mm -hmm. yeah, no, no, we're, we're not confused as to the source of where these products come from. But that being said, someone at Jack Daniels did not get the joke. This joke did not impress them. And the, the Jack Daniels mm -hmm. properties owned the trademark both to the distinctive Jack Daniels bottle and many yep. of the words and graphics that are on the label. And so a lawsuit was brought. Now, interestingly enough, the lawsuit was not brought by Jack Daniels. It was brought mm -hmm. by VIP against Jack Daniels because there were some demand letters going back and forth. So they yep. kind of jumped the gun to make sure they could pick and choose their own form, but it doesn't really matter because it ended up at the U.S. Supreme Court. <laughs> but that being yep. said, uh, a lawsuit was filed over this issue of does this 
uh, you know, um, bad spaniels, this lookalike, this dog mm -hmm. toy doesn't violate Jack Daniels' copyright and trademark rights. So, Chris, what do you think? Yes, it does. You think it did? I think it does. I think Trapper, like, let's look, let's look at your examples, right? I think Trapper Keeper and Blockbuster are are things of a bygone era. Now, the double stuffed Oreo might be able to sue on that because I may have eaten an entire box yesterday. But um, Jack Daniels is very prevalent. It's very in the market. Um, Jack Daniels also, and I hope this doesn't steal your thunder, but they also do dog toys. There you go. So, so I think that in this specific, and again, Supreme Court's deciding this specific case. I think that the um, bad spaniels, right, could have, could be considered uh, infringement. There you go. That is your opinion. Let's see how that lines up with the Supreme Court's opinion. So the Supreme mm -hmm. Court started off by saying that in a typical infringement case, the question is whether the defendant's use of a mark is likely to cause confusion or to cause mistake or to deceive. Now, I've done several uh, copyright trademark cases. I even had one that was mm -hmm. threatened against me when it comes to a comedian of law. Uh, and so the issue is likelihood of confusion. Is there confusion right. in the marketplace? So that's how a typical trademark infringement case will be uh, resolved. It, there's a second type of case, though. So you, you have basically a, an infringement, which means someone else is trying to infringe on your your use of a certain your trademark mark. or copyright, right. something that you designed and developed and got a trademark for. Uh, someone's trying to infringe on that. All right. Another way you can have a copyright violation or trademark violation is a dilution case. Under a dilution mm -hmm. case, the question is whether the defendant harmed the reputation of a famous trademark. So in other words, let's say you have a brand, let, let's say it's comedian of law brand and we, we have a brand out there. It's copyrighted. We mm -hmm. got a trademark for it. And so if someone else tries to use it and they're really watering it down. Mm -hmm. They're diluting mm -hmm. my product, you know, making it seem less worthy. Let's just say, for example, and this actually was, this actually is pretty close to an example <laughs> that the Supreme court used, but let's it. say that, um, some porn star wanted to do a parody of comedian of law and did it with people in a, in a porn type of uh, of a production. Well, that's going to dilute the value of maybe it'll enhance the value. I don't know. There it is. The idea. There it is. I'm going to say it's going to dilute the value of our that. product here. Okay. And so you have two different types of copyright uh, trademark cases. And again, in the typical dilution case, the question is whether the defendants harmed the reputation of a famous trademark. I guess she can even think of the McDonald's M. That's a famous trademark that's mm -hmm. out there. Someone were to use McDonald's that M in McDonald's versus way. McDowell's, yeah. right? And someone steals that and use that M, it's going to dilute the value of, of M as being a recognizable emblem and trademark right. for, for McDonald's. All right, so this case goes up to the Supreme Court. And the argument was made, well, no, look. First of all, there is... Um, uh, th this is just simply parody. No one is actually right. going to be confused here as to, you know, who's behind these products. And by the way, I have a first amendment right to engage in parody. The Supreme yep. court said, no, not we're today. not going to allow for that defense. And here is why. Yes, there is a fair use doctrine in trademark and copyright law. There, there is that, mm -hmm. but that does not apply when you're talking about confusion as to the source uh, or the, the identity of the source of the, the product. So here is what was the source of this, this product. Well, there was some confusion that it might be Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels. Mentioned, Jack Daniels actually yeah. does have a line for, for dogs. You can buy dog yep. leashes for Jack Daniels. You yeah. can buy little shirts that they will produce. So they, they do yep. some the merchandising. Mm -hmm. As we know too well, there are a lot of people out there that spend way too much money on their pets. Jack Daniels wants to get a, guilty, their, <laughs> join in on that and cash in on that, and so because of that, uh, it's because this uh, in, in, this involves the source of the material. This is a copyright violation. So, Chris, do you think yeah, that's a go. good decision, a bad decision? Well, I mean, I think it's this. Yeah, I mean, it's following the letter of the law, right? The decision is that that they were infringing on. I, I, it's hard because I don't think these cases like are like really sexy. Like, is 
did they follow the law? Well, about 27 people on the face of the planet understand IP trademark to this level. What we know right now is that, okay, so if a company puts out dog toys, I can't put out a parody dog toy of that company. Great. Thanks. Moving on. This affects like 8% of people. Right. Now, what is the ramifications of that? Right? What 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 sort of ways now are we going to see the implementation of what we think is a very innocuous decision play out in the future? Like you know, if it's not parody, right? Or if it's not what and, and I'm trying to think here on the fly, what sort of what sort of ways are IP and trademarks going to be used later in maybe a less homely way? Right? Is this how we're going to be able to um, stop people from getting insulin, or is this going to be a way that a, a greedy company stops, um, you know, sending bottled water to a hurricane area? I right, don't, right. I don't know. No, and right? I don't, I don't see know that what the long reach there. is. Now, this is just I, I think deals more with if you create a trademark, a copyright, uh, right. can you protect other people from either infringing on that trademark? or diluting its value. Now, again, just because the, let's talk about the procedural aspect of this case. So the Supreme Court said, um, you know, this is how the law is going to apply. So you, now it's going to be sent back for a further evaluation on the likelihood of confusion standard. Are, are consumers, will they be confused? Is it likely consumers will be confused? Mm -hmm. And it turns out how they prove that is through customer surveys and so experts will go out mm -hmm. there and do customer surveys to find out there's actually was an interesting case during oral argument that they mentioned 1948 case where it was an issue of a trademark violation involving i kid you not girls underwear and, and so the judge <laughs> says look I'm, I'm an old guy everyone else up here are a bunch of old guys what do we know about girls underwear thankfully no one gave an answer to that uh and so they uh, basically said look we need surveys from customers to help us understand is the is it likely that the market will be confused about this and so they will have to get some surveys out there some customer surveys to see is is there confusion in the marketplace as to the source of these materials, and so that case is Ooh. still alive. Today, it's going to go back <coughs> for uh, uh, for a second round at the court. This is so. I, this was striking a weird tone in my head, and I was trying to remember what a case was that was very similar to this, and it was the Wounded Warrior case. And I don't know if you're familiar with this, and we didn't talk offline about it, but most people know the Wounded Warrior Project, I, or I'd like to assume they do, right? It's a it's a nonprofit based in the United States that helps vets that were wounded in the the cause of of duty. Um, and their emblem is the soldier carrying the other soldier out okay. on their their back. And there was a, a lawsuit, um, and I don't remember who initiated it, so I'm not trying to put anybody as the villain here, where a hospital, a, v, uh, a, mili a privately funded veterans hospital, used that same symbol of a, a soldier carrying out another soldier as part of their like wounded and they, they didn't call it wounded warrior hospital. They just called it like warriors hospital or something. Right. To that effect. And the lawsuit came up saying, does this dilute the brand? And it, it, the discussion was, and I, and I don't think it was taken up by the Supreme court. I think it was like the, the sixth or seventh circuit. The discussion was who owns the right to something like the, the soldier carrying the other soldier on the back. Um, and at the end of the day, it came down to popularity which is the more popular brand was wounded warrior project more popular than the warriors hospital. And because wounded warriors, a national organization, they get to keep using the, the, the carrying of the soldier, but it upwind up all these, these IP ideas of, well, every vet on the face of the planet understands the importance of the soldier carrying the other soldiers. So are they now displaced from ever using that brand? Now, maybe, maybe yes, maybe no, maybe wounded warrior won't, sue every single nonprofit military organization now that they have the right to the brand. But I think it's something like this may come up later with this Supreme court decision. All right. We'll have to follow that. Who knows? Uh, another trademark case that came up this last week was uh, the Trump to a small case. And so the Supreme court this last week agreed to hear this case, probably going to hear it next October or November. <laughs> this is a fascinating case here. And so basically, if you remember back in the 2016 presidential campaign, uh, mm -hmm. there was a, a the Republican debates. 
uh, Senator Marco Rubio, I believe, said that Trump's hands were too small. Do you, do you yes. remember that? I assume you were watching the Republican was, presidential I, I debates. Them all. Of course I did. Know thy enemy, Joel. Know thy enemy. Um, I can't but it was watching also, these debates. Well, yeah, I can't either. They're absolutely horrendous. <laughs> like, they're absolute circuses that have no bearing on American public whatsoever. But it was like during a tirade where Trump was calling him little Marco. Yes. And, like he was throwing out all the nicknames and called Ted Cruz's dad, the Zodiac killer or something like that. We Just got like, to the point in American politics where at a presidential debate for the Republican party, Senator Mark Rubio is telling Donald Trump, your hands are too small. And we all know what that means. Okay. So some guy heard that and, and then sought a trademark because he wanted to design some t-shirts says Trump oh too gosh, small yes. and he was denied that trademark because under the trademark act under the, the Lanham act you cannot get a trademark for someone else's name without that person's permission correct so correct that matters. also you cannot trademark um lewd ideals right you can't you can't so the Trump's too mm. small alludes to a specific appendage of President Trump. Now, I don't know if that's true anymore. Last year, the Supreme Court in the Ayanku v. Brunetti case kind of shut down yeah. that idea, what, 9-0, uh, 8-1? Uh, the idea that you can't strike or deny a trademark because you find a word immoral. Do you remember that case where someone was trying to get a trademark for the phrase F-U-C-T? Right. But I... But I think you can make the argument, right? And this is this is what's great about the law, right? Like the F-U-C-T um, is a, in a it, it alludes to an inappropriate word, one of the seven deadly words we can't say on TV. What's right? wrong one with you set? Well, it alludes Foot? to one of. Oh, I see. Okay, I got you. It alludes to one of the, like, it's like saying, um, um, they I think they denied a trademark for the phrase was C- you next Tuesday. Okay. And when you and when you spelt it, right, it was one of the seven deadly words that you can't use on TV. And they're like, mm, nope, you can't have that as right. a you can't you can't patent that. Hey, it's a different age in the Supreme Court. Apparently they also don't true. mind the F word. Who knows what they would do with the C word? I have no right. idea. Uh, but when yeah. I say the F word, I actually mean the uh, F-U-C-T word. F-U-C-T, uh, absolutely. The Supreme Court. That case is going to be come up at the Supreme Court uh, probably next October, so something to pay attention to. All right. For sure. Then again, in the middle of Supreme Court sweeps the season. Oh, my gosh, uh, And yes. so uh, on Thursday of this week, the Supreme Court came out with four different cases. We already discussed mm -hmm. one of them, the Jack Daniels case. The Probably yeah. the bigger one was Miller huge. v. Milligan, and this was the huge case involving the Voting Rights Act. And so what happened here in Milligan, by the way, it, the name changes because the parties change. Whenever you have a lawsuit against a state official and that state official mm -hmm. then changes positions or persons that hold that, fit that position, they'll change right. out the names. Let's just call this one the Milligan case. And yep. so in the Milligan case, Alabama, uh, their, how they draw their district lines was that issue. So let me just kind of spell out the facts here just so our listeners can understand what's going on there in Alabama. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I have a hard time talking about Alabama because whenever I say Alabama, I think of that dreaded Roll football tide. team coached by Nick Satan. And, and so I just have a mm -hmm. problem with that. But that being said, I'm going to try to get over my problem. So Alabama mm -hmm. has, has and had seven districts for the U.S. House of Representatives. So... You know, you, you get a, uh, if you're going to vote someone in the House of Representatives, mm -hmm. Alabama has seven different districts. And based yep. on the census in 2020, some people felt that these districts now violated Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act, which prohibits mm -hmm. racial discrimination in voting. And the reason right. why they thought that this violated the Voting Rights Act was because basically the the, the my black my majority districts would not comprise more than two sevenths of the population. I, I think I said that wrong. Let me give it another shot here. The first thought about this case was: Is this case going to be political? We have a conservative Supreme Court allegedly, right? right? And some people will no, say not allegedly. allegedly, allegedly, no, not allegedly, not even a little bit. 
Dude. Not not even on a not even on a good day. It is not allegedly <laughs> a conservative Supreme Court. It is a conservative Supreme Court. All right. As we as we get to this case here, which is the Voting Rights Act case, a lot of people mm-hmm. predicted this is right. gonna be a six three decision Correct. against the um uh against the, uh, the the plaintiffs here because yeah. you know this is political based upon this last election i believe six yep. members were you know six republicans were elected and only one a democrat and so how you do, how you determine that the voting rights act has been violated well this lawsuit right. was filed and uh and so the in response to this lawsuit being filed ironically the state of alabama then redrew the district boundaries and the map did not take race into consideration at all. So whoever's drawn these district boundaries, they did not take race into consideration. Uh, rather, it entered several non-race factors into this algorithm, and then they drew the map. All right, so this new map then becomes the focus of this lawsuit. Right. So let's go now over the Voting Rights Act. And so under the Voting Rights Act, let me read from the act. It says that nothing in section two establishes a right to have members of a protected class elected in numbers equal to their proportion in the population. All right. So Chris, if you don't have that right to have an equal number, if you make a, Mm -hmm. if if a certain race makes up two sevenths of the population, right? You don't have a right to have two sevenths of of the elected members be members from your race. I mean, Chris, on one level that makes sense because if let's just say a certain race makes up 15% of the population, Mm -hmm. that's not enough to win in the election, right? 15% is not a majority. And so Mm -hmm. in fact, if that, if that race was spread evenly throughout the state, one Uh could then argue you're not going to win a single election. You're making a great case for abolishing the Electoral College right now, just so you know. Why is that? Because the Electoral College is specifically geared to not let the majority vote win a presidential election. Now, I don't know about that. I like the Electoral College. That's exactly what it is. I know you do, because that's how Republicans get elected. That's the yeah. only way they're going to win. They don't win popular <laughs> votes. They haven't won popular votes since 2000. Whoa, 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 whoa. We don't win popular votes? No. Chris. Trump Trump Chris. lost both of his popular no, no, votes. No, 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 no. Mark this he down the here. Ele- Mark yeah, this yeah. down on your calendars. Yes. Do it. There has never been a popular vote for President Trump to win or lose, right? Nope. Yeah, there is. Tell me. No, 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 no. There has never been a popular vote for president. Ever. People keep saying that they lose or they won this popular thing that never actually happened. Well, if you take the number of votes cast for a candidate versus the number of votes cast for another candidate, the winner is the winner of the popular vote. Nope. That has never been a thing. Chris, let's say you're a campaign manager for Donald Trump. And and you're the campaign manager Mm -hmm. for Donald Trump. And are are you going to waste even one second of time campaigning in, let's just say, California? No, because of how the Electoral College works. Yes. And you're not going to spend one day. You play the Electoral College, which downplays the will of the people. And you're not going to spend one second campaigning in New York. Because so you don't like you don't like to be where the people are. Because because you're not going to get any votes there. And so because of that. So because you don't want to win hearts and minds of the citizenry in which you are going to govern over, you're going to play against this system of electoral college, which is what they're doing here, right? They're, they're saying that, that because of how their redistricting work, you redistricted out the will of the people. Interesting. Well, so if you look at this case, the issue is how do you determine that the Voting Rights Act has been violated because it, it, right. it is tough. Now, I know you've been involved in campaigns in the past, yep. and, and the issue here is pretty much we can assume that most state legislators and people in Congress are smart enough not no. to write down our purposes to discriminate. Our intent is to, is to discriminate, <laughs> right? They're not going to say that. So how can you prove that someone actually, that, that the Voting Rights Act has been mm-hmm. violent and then racial discrimination has occurred. Well, Chris, there is a case out Fair. there called uh, Gringle. Gringle. 
Right. And, Pringles, the, and this Pringles, sets Pringles. three different scenarios, three different tests that have to be passed mm -hmm. in order to prove that there has been a, 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 a section to a, a Voting Rights Act of violations. Let's go over those three different criteria. The first criteria that a plaintiff must establish is that the minority group must be sufficiently large and geographically compact to constitute a majority in a reasonably configured district. So in other words, right. you have a reasonably configured district because of county boundaries, because of, hey, they're all in the city or somehow you look at Red a map. Red line say, laws, CCNRs, right. all sorts of old, old white supremacy, you know. You're shooting tell right tells. over my head here. I have no idea what you're saying, but I'm saying right because I, you sound smart, <laughs> right? So, so basically. Back, so back in Alabama's heyday. Right, Alabama led the march for CCNRs and redlining, which allowed what for is racial discrimination, uh, covenants and um, ah, cures you. for real estate contracts when you're selling the houses. Alabama specifically wrote into their laws that you could racially discriminate where you sold your house to. Okay, so you're saying that because of those to. things were in place, now minorities right. might be located in a certain compact yeah, group uh, to a certain area area okay area. so yep. here the supreme court is, and i didn't understand this when i first read this but now after reading the mm -hmm. opinion and understanding this law i understand it a little bit better so they said the first yeah. criteria is that the minority group must be sufficiently large and geographically compact okay and mm -hmm. by the way this does take away from my scenario if if they were equally distributed throughout the state well you, right. you can't really just kind of pick and choose that 15 percent if they're kind of distribute all throughout the state right all right second the minority group must be able to show that it is politically cohesive so they kind of vote mm -hmm. together not a hundred percent but still it's a cohesive right. unit and they tend to vote together all right and then the right. third criteria is the minority must be able to demonstrate that the white the white majority of votes sufficiently as a block to enable it to defeat the minority's preferred candidate so if those three criteria are met, right now you have established that, uh, okay, now there might be a Voting mm -hmm. Rights Act violation. So it, that's not the last equation. A uh, plaintiff who does demonstrate that these three preconditions have been met then must show under the totality of the circumstances that the challenged political process is not equally open to minority voters. Okay, so... Mm -hmm. That's that's how you would prove because you can't prove no one's going to admit that they are the intent is to discriminate. Instead, you've right. got to look at those three factors. And so here's what happened. These plaintiffs brought this lawsuit in Alabama. And by the way, Chris, it mm -hmm. actually went to a three judge a district court panel. Now, two non lawyers out there. That probably means nothing to you. I find that interesting because here's why it. I usually view whenever you file a district court action, you get one judge. Yeah. Right? Chris, have yeah. you ever filed a, a federal Never. lawsuit and got three judges? Not once. Right. It's actually available. Granted, under... I've done like three federal cases. So I'm not a okay. good I'm not a good like I'm not a good data the, point. The typical case is you get one judge, right? right? Here's right. the deal. When you get a three judge a district court panel, you get an automatic right to appeal that to the United States Supreme Court. You get to bypass the right. circuit court level, the, the appeals level, go straight to the U.S. Right. Supreme Court. All right, so this goes before- You get before, to pass go and collect $200. This goes before that three-judge district court panel. And that panel, it was comprised of at least two judges who were appointed by one Donald Trump. Now, Chris, I know you are not a Donald Trump fan. Is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yes, fair. Things, things have not changed. Things, nope, not in the okay. last three minutes. All right, all right. So now, if you, let's assume that you were following this case at this point, that this Arizona, you know, uh, Voting Rights Act claim, this, this the redistricting mm -hmm. map is going before a three-judge mm -hmm. district court panel of which two of the judges were put there by Donald Trump. Are you feeling good about your chances? Not even a little bit. I don't even know if I would show up. <laughs> like. That, no, I would, of, Joel, of course, I would show up and I would preserve everything for the record and I would zealously argue in front of those obviously unqualified judges and I would wait for my chance at the Supreme Court. <laughs> I want to note for the record, you said those three judges were obviously unqualified because just two, those just three two. judges wrote a 200. Just two. 
227-page opinion saying this is a clear violation of the Voting Rights Act. It's not even a close call. There you go. Those three, two judges you said were unqualified in a 227-page opinion said this is clearly a violation of the uh, uh, the Gringle standard. It's a violation of the Voting Rights Act. And, yeah. and I quote, it's not even a close call. So, Chris, right. that Broken says something right to Broken clocks right twice a day, Joel. <laughs> Does that say True. something right? Does yeah. that say something to you? Right. Like, if the... I pulled up the map for for Alabama's districting on this one. And literally they took all of the 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 black areas of Alabama and like dissected them. That is where all of the maps like cut boundaries. It was un, unequivocally like Stevie Wonder could see that these maps were drawn to disenfranchise African American voters. That joke's so not good come for from Joel Oster. It's one thing that I stated for the record. But that being said, <laughs> yes, I made a I made a joke about Stevie Wonder being blind. We we all get that. Hey, I like good comedy. Uh, but that being yeah. said, um, yeah, I mean, you're pointing out that this is an obvious case, and I'm trying to point out. Apparently, this was an obvious case because these these judges looked at it and said this is not even a close mm-hmm. call. So it goes before the United States Supreme oh. Court, and I listened to it's the oral argument. And, and and most experts thought after the oral argument, I won't throw myself in that category, but I did listen to right. the oral argument. I agreed with these experts that uh, Alabama's going to win this case. These plaintiffs, these challengers are going to lose this case. It sure seemed like the justices were, were poised to strike down the Voting Rights Act as it has been applied in Gringle and kind of set a new standard because the the... The, the, the Alabama here was trying to say, look, our our um our map here is race blind. It's race neutral. And and that mm-hmm. is the preferred way to go about doing this is not to have an eye out to race, because when you do have an eye out to race, you are discriminating on the basis of race. That was the position of Alabama. And, and so but nonetheless, this goes before the United States and Supreme Court, and most experts thought that this is going to be a 6-3 conservative win for Alabama. Surprise upon surprise, it was a 5-4 to four decision in support of the challengers. And so uh, Chief oh, Justice John Roberts wrote, wrote the majority opinion. Kavanaugh uh, joined with Roberts and the other three liberal justices. I say other three liberal justices. That was not a misspeak. And and so that formed the 5-4 majority block, and they uh, they uh, struck down Alabama's map. Chris, I don't even know where we, we begin with this case. Uh, was it a good decision, a bad decision? I think it starts... So I was reading the dissents, right? Because a lot of... The future can be told by reading the dissents. For those kids at home at law school, read the dissents. Because that's going to be some of the, the, the stuff that's going to happen. And Thomas wrote um, a brilliant dissent. Brilliant isn't the word I would use. But I, brilliant. I, I see where you're... Uh, right. Uh, Thomas wrote an absolutely idiotic defense of the fact that he's okay with racism. Because he's he a did not say that. He doesn't have to worry about it. Essentially, that's what it, it essentially reading that that thing coming reading reading. I don't even want to call it a dissent. Reading Thomas's discussion on the fact that um, the idea that the maps were colorblind ignores almost seventy years of racial history in Alabama. And racism, in my opinion, again, opinion of Chris Moreau, not the opinion of comedian of large Oloser, is that. Just because you say it's not based on race doesn't mean the system of white supremacy, which has completely dominated Alabama's history, does not prop up this idea that racism exists. You can say, oh, we didn't, we didn't do this because we're not explicitly writing down we don't like black people. But when you prop up systems of white supremacy, you're propping up the idea of racism. And Thomas has never been one to see past the, the de facto the the on the face racism if you thomas is really great if you say i don't like black people he's like "Mm, racist but if you say i want to fund schools based on property tax 
and then allow CCNRs and redlining to happen, you've now moved every minority individual into locations where they cannot afford houses and therefore can't get education. That's still racism. That's just a little more covert, but Thomas is totally okay with that. Now, I think Thomas is and saying, look, you, if we want to get rid of racism and the badges that come along with racism and things like that, then we got to actually mm -hmm. get rid of racism. And when you use race as a determining factor in these type of, of districting, you are legislating racism into the laws. And, and so when it comes to these kind of laws, according to Thomas, who is an African-American, he believes that this is not good for the, uh, for the law. It, but that being said, I think it is, a, a really, I think his like, main argument here, though, was basically under the if you were going to read the law, the statute, the Voting Rights Act, it explicitly states mm -hmm. that you that nothing in Section two establishes a right to have members of a protected class elected in numbers equal to their proportion in the population. And according to Thomas, that's exactly right. what the majority did here. The majority said, look. Blacks make up two-sevenths of the population. Therefore, we must draw a map that results in them getting two-sevenths of the number of, of representatives. He goes, that was their objective. That's what they achieved. But the law specifically says you cannot have that as, as your objective. And so I think that's Thomas's dissent. I, I want to know where you... I want to know where you found this two sevenths argument, though, because I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at opinion analysis here, and it says that black people make up 27 percent of the state's population. So 27 percent is not two sevenths. Yeah, I think I read somewhere in the and opinion they that said roughly two sevenths, and so the thought there is that them getting two of the seven is roughly proportionate to the two of their the two sevenths of the population. I think it was just some, in one of the dissenting I, I, opinions, these kind of made that rough which, comparison. Which, right, which makes sense, right? If there was eight seats and they got two seats, that's essentially a quarter of the seats. Right. Right, so that's that's the argument that's going on here. But what Thomas, Thomas is saying that, you know, you're saying that they have to have two sevenths. And again, my opinion, and the, my opinion against the conservative court is that they're missing the whole point. They have to have the access to be able to vote in who they want to vote in. They're not provided that. By gerrymandering their opinions out, you are marginalizing this group. Alabama didn't go through and do a straight cut of this is where, you know, 750,000, 750,000, 750,000. They specifically drew the lines to break up the minority communities. But Very whether, whether you... Whether you think that that's that's right or wrong, or Alabama didn't do it with race, they just did it by seven. You literally looked at your maps and you cut the minority communities out, or, or you divided them up like a pie. What did you expect? And that's even what the the three judge panel said from the two Trump judges in that two hundred page report. Like literally, Alabama looked at it and said, "These are the giant." And and what they framed it as is, "This is where the epicenter of people are, so we need to break them up." So Chris, I well, want okay in Alabama most. Go ahead, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna soapbox this all day, and I, uh, and I, want, and I know we don't have the time. I want to conclude with this thought, which this this decision surprised people, and it it, it caught it people did, off guard. Much. And so here is is a take on it, and I want to get your response to this take. I think that it's it's possible this was an example of Roberts being very concerned about the reputation of the court. The court's reputation has taken a lot of hits. Last term, they overturned mm -hmm. Roe v. Wade, and so a Bro. lot of people were upset with that and saying this is, uh, you yep. know, the court's very, they're on some kind of radical revolution, a conservative revolution to just throw up any kind of laws out there. And so <laughs> the, I think Roberts was very concerned about the court's reputation. In addition, you have some <laughs> ethical issues now, and I, I hate to even say ethical issues to like his legitimacy to the issues, but whatever. There's a lot of controversy. I think that's kind of fair to say regarding the Supreme yes. Court and ethical issues. Mm -hmm. uh, and so Roberts knows that, and the public doesn't really understand separation of powers. Like I wish they did. And so they think it's a huge issue. And, and so is this maybe a Roberts attempt of saying, look, you think we're conservative. We're not. We're just justices trying to adjudicate the facts the best that we see it. I don't know. Any thoughts that this was Robert's attempt to just simply be a judge and do judicial things? 
uh, and maybe give one to the other side. So it, it kind of count goes against this idea that there's a conservative revolution going on at the Supreme court. Um, one, um, if it is, if it is, um, Robert's trying to placate and say, look, here's one for the other guys, right? It shows how disconnected Roberts really is from the political arena because Gen Z isn't coming for a decision. They're not coming to get abortion rights back or right to life back. They're coming to burn the system to the ground and start all over. They're coming to massively uproot. And guess what? I am absolutely here for this. Let's do it. Let it. And that's Chris Marone opinion, not opinion of the comedian of law or Joel Osteris and the corporation. <laughs> burn it they're they're here to burn it to the ground like they're doing so in portland I don't, it, like as as they're about to do in dc as they're as more young gen zers get elected to congress and into state legislatures you're going to see a, a giant shift in what they're here to do Interesting. so i also think i also i i do believe that roberts though i've disagreed and agreed with with chief justice roberts on a number of the decisions throughout his his tenure in the court and one thing we need to also realize that Justice Roberts has been on the court since like 07. Yes. Like he's not some like fresh face, like new chief justice. Like he's been there for I, a while. I would even guess 05. Is that when he got put on? Is that I'm when, just um, guessing 04, 05. Uh, next time we go on some long diatribe, you can Google it and see when he actually came on the court. Right. But I, I know it it's been a long that, time. Right. That's how old we are. Right. I, I still think that Rehnquist right. is the chief justice. Sometimes, right? I, and I'm trying to remember when Rehnquist, because I think Rehnquist died around the same time that Sandra Day O'Connor retired, because I think Alito and John Roberts have been on there around around the same amount of time. So maybe it is 05. I mean, that's, who knows? Um, but fact of the matter is, he's made some unpopular conservative um, rulings where Obamacare is the first one that comes to mind. Um, where you mean he talks liberal about rulings? Right. Well, unpo well, unpopular to the conservative nature, oh, to the conservative you, base. You. Yes. So, so I think that Roberts is a case by case justice. Um, the surprising one was Kavanaugh making the jump. That's the that's the absolute shocker. Um, which was, I think, Kavanaugh was the deciding justice in this one, not right. Roberts. Right. Because Roberts has been known to swing almost, almost like a Justice Kennedy. Roberts has been known to swing back and forth. It was the Kavanaugh jump over to this. That really surprised me. And we have two other cases involving race this term yep. to be decided. And I just wonder how these two judges are then, the justices are going to then rule on those two cases. One involves an affirmative action uh, policy at yep, university, the, at the university level where there's discrimination against people from the Asian community. And is that okay mm -hmm. to discriminate against a, a race group and when it comes to college admissions? And then there's another going to, going to be another uh, gerrymandering case as well. So, uh, Hey, stuff, right. stuff to follow. To see. All right. Hey, Chris, yeah. now let's move over. Speaking of burning the earth to the ground or institutions to the ground, let's talk about the LIV PGA <laughs> merger because the Ooh. people there at the PGA were complaining. That's what LIVers were trying to do. Burn golf <laughs> to the ground. I don't think it was that many mm -hmm. podcasts ago, Chris. We were going on about how the PGA was just crying. The sky is falling because of the LIV Golf League. And one of the arguments that they made was that this LIV Golf organization is being funded by terrorists, by by the terrorist Saudi Crown Joel. Prince Mohammed bin Salman, Damn. if I pronounce his, his oh. name correctly. And so this is, this is the Damn. same group that was responsible for 9-11. Those are the kind of arguments that were out there. Right. Well, surprise, but all surprised this last week, the PGA... And the LIV Golf and the DP World Tour. Now, if you don't know what the DP World Tour is, I didn't either. It is the PGA European Tour. So basically, mm -hmm. all of the golf factions in the world have now united and said, we're going to merge and act as one commercial entity. Chris, this was shocking, to say the least. Uh, what was your thoughts when you like heard about what was your thoughts when you heard it's about like this? I think like a Kardashian merger? wedding. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like the Kardashians, right? It's like, let's see how much publicity we can get from dating somebody. 
right? Until the the huh. the ink is dry and the uh, the antitrust suits have have not been filed, I really I, it could be a publicity stunt, right? I, w- the PGA is incredibly good at making money, which is a true statement. Um, not just because I said it or because I'm incredibly smart, because they they really are. They're really good at making money. So let's see how they can make money. And the Saudi princes are driven by status and money. So now if a Saudi prince can say that he got the American Golf Federation to kowtow, somehow, somewhere, that means something in some circle in Saudi Arabia with the other 1,275 crown princes of Saudi Arabia. Right. So um, so it, it kind of is a win-win for the status of this crown prince and now the PGA is going to make an exorbitant amount because they're the parent corporation. It's not that it's not that they're merging and becoming one corporation. They are essentially coming under the umbrella of the PGA, also known as the Godfather, and they're going to operate under the auspices by which the PGA allows. So I feel like the PGA is in like the back of a really nice Italian restaurant and there's like Luca Brazzi that's in between the PGA and the LIV and he walks him in and he hands him like a, a fish and a, a newspaper and says, you're going to join or you're going to go. And that's how it happened. Fascinating. Well, and I'm, I know. I'm, I'm I have, I, I, I have I a couple it. different thoughts on this. One is the legal thought, which we're going to cover a second. The first thought I have is yeah. I, am, I am dying now to see this. As you just pointed out, was right. this controversy orchestrated from the beginning because i gotta admit i kind of want to see the these golf showdowns now between roy mcelroy and phil mickelson i mean if we mm-hmm. can get those two playing oh, in a team to team competition in an liv format that's compelling yeah. drama there and so maybe this was manufactured controversy which sure worked and i like the liv concept right. i think we've talked about that before the whole idea behind team golf and one other thought about why I think this is a good idea and for the PGA and also for LIV Golf is because of one person named Tiger Woods. Uh, Tiger Woods is the biggest yeah. draw in golf no matter what. Even today, he mm-hmm. will draw a gazillion followers. He will Huge drive crash. the TV oh, yeah. ratings up. But because of his injuries, he really can't play a full 72 holes of golf or walk the golf course. Well, if he were to play in the nope. LIV Tour... He doesn't need to walk. They'll let him ride a cart. It's not 72 holes. It's only 54. And if it's in a team format, he probably doesn't have to play every round either. And so it allows him to still be a draw, go across this world playing golf and breaking in millions of dollars. And so maybe this was a Tiger Woods play from the beginning. For sure. So many facets, right? So many facets to this. Well, and the antitrust, right? Which we're going to hit on here. In Let's a talk second, about right? that. The so antitrust. What, what, Chris, my question I want to throw out to you, since, since you brought it up, how right. is this not an antitrust violation? For those at home, right? Antitrusts are to stop against monopolies. America is a very, very loving capitalist country that believes that you should have competition in the market. And when organizations band together to monopolize that market, it is bad for the country as a whole and the market as a whole. In fact, we had a lawsuit here where the the LIV golfers sued the PGA for saying, look, you're trying to shut us out. That's an antitrust violation. So throwing the antitrust law on the golf scenario is not foreign. We have lawsuits right Right. now where that has been alleged. Right. And, And so this is the opposite extreme, right? Like the one side is you are inhibiting us from having a great organization to compete with you to now it's war one organization. Like cap, like antitrust makes you go right here in the center. That's where, that's where the, the magic happens, right? That's where competition breeds the best in all of us. And so I don't think LIV is going to be complaining about antitrust now because they're part of the, the family. But I think outside organizations who would have a difficult level of standing to sue on antitrust, unless it was the government, the DOJ yep, trying to break the up the deal like they did with Sprint, right. T-Mobile. Yep, right. Where they tried to do that a couple. They've tried to do that with national healthcare companies and all sorts of stuff. Um, I, mean, I don't think we've heard the do last they of this. Do this. I do not think we've no, heard the last. No, I don't of this. think so either. I think some politicians looking are get looking at up. clear at Godlib. Just saying. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've, some politicians are definitely going to get it. 
Definitely. Like the yeah. Masters is going to move out of Augusta now, and all of a sudden, like Georgians are going to explode, right? They're going to move the Masters to some some course in Abu Dhabi or something like that, and the world, like Georgia is going to throw up an absolute. Governor Kemp is going to go to the mattresses for this. You know what, Chris? It's time for our courtroom quarterback segment. Let's do. So it is the middle of the NBA finals. And I, I just want to talk about the NBA. It's why I, I wanted to jump right here. Cause last week we kind of missed out on talking about the NBA and I'm just stoked about these NBA finals. My wife asked me, I've had these NBA playoffs been going on for a long time. Yes. If you ask me, <laughs> get rid of the regular season. Thanks, I don't care about the regular season because the players don't care about the regular season. It's all about the playoffs. And so, right. I'm digging this. And now we're in the finals. But Chris, the first point I want to throw out there mm -hmm. to you is this. I think these NBA finals are a perfect example of why recent biasism is alive and well. Here's what I mean. Oh, go. After game one of the NBA finals, what was the talk? Right. About how dominant these Denver Sweet. Nuggets yeah. were. They were amazing. For they sure. were unstoppable. I mean, there's no way. Why is Miami even bothering to show up? This is a, this series is over. And right. then you had game two where Miami surprised them and won. And what was the common right. refrain and all the, by all the talking heads in sports at ESPN and Fox News? It was, or, they or got Fox lucky. Sports. It was, no, it was that Miami is dominant. Eric Spolster is the best coach ever. <laughs> Jimmy Bucket's playoffs is unstoppable. Right. <laughs> Now they have home court advantage. This series is over. It's like, what? Yeah. And this, how in the world and then is Denver, Denver goes wins. <laughs> then Denver right. wins. Denver goes. Yeah. Denver wins all the odd games and uh, Miami's going to win the even games. And that's how we know it's rigged. That's where it's going to be the rigged thing. But wow. I, I'm loving the NBA finals. Right. I Now that now that the Warriors are out. Um, right. I had really no dog in the fight. Mm, slow down. Once the Lakers got eliminated. I had no more dogs in the fight. I became a very large Denver Nuggets fan when they were playing the Lakers. All right. Um, but I like seeing it. Like, I like a good NBA Finals. I don't like – I'm not a huge fan of a sweep or a gentleman's sweep, even if it's the Warriors doing it. Like, I want good, hard-fought basketball. I want to make it feel like they earned it. Well, speaking of the Denver Nuggets, uh, I want to throw this idea out there, and I have not heard it yet by any of the talking heads, so you and I are going to be the first one to address this, but oh, I want to be the first we're one. We're a lot of those. And that is this. Is it too early to say, because Chris, I want to be the first to say, but is it too early to, to say that the Denver Nuggets are now a dynasty? Stop your laughing. Stop your snickering. I am serious. You heard it from me first. The Denver Nuggets, who have yet to win even three games in the NBA Finals ever, is the is NBA dynasty. Ever. What do you think? It, I, no. Right off the bat. But do I think this is the start of something great? That's what I'm Absolutely. saying. Absolutely. Five years from now, we're going to come back to this Absolutely. podcast, and we are going to say, Joel... You pegged it. Now, here, let me make my argument here. These are stud players on this team. This, they are. Let's look at it. They them. really are. Nikola Jokic. Uh, Jokic, 28 years old. This guy is amazing. Yeah, he's he's got... the best player I have ever seen in the NBA, I, bar none. I mean, he does it all. Yeah. He He's a mm -hmm. scorer at will. He's six foot 11 and shoots his three way above his head that no one can even touch. It reminds me of Kareem yeah. Abdul Jabbar's skyhook that who can even possibly block that shot? And if you even try, you're going to hit his elbow and foul him. Uh, it's an unstoppable yeah. shot. He has the softest touch in the middle. And, um, uh, he, 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 he's a triple, um, he's a triple double machine with points, rebounds. Right. Oh yeah. He's a huge, my gosh, he is a machine just straight up. And do you know how old he I is? I love him. 28, 28 years of age. And let me tell you something about him yesterday, uh, during, or after, um, Wednesday's game, he scored, I believe I might uh -huh. have this a little bit wrong, 32 points, 20 rebounds and 10 assists, something mm -hmm. like that. Yep. Do you know what his comments Highest were after the game? Ever. Could have done better. No, about how great Christian Brown was. And Christian Brown was the reason why they won that game. And obviously, that's a bunch of crap. I love Christian Brown. KU guy. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. 
but that is a leader mm-hmm. showing deference to other people on his team. This guy is humble. Right. He knows how to spread the praise around. He reminds me of one Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the way this guy is deferential to his, his teammates. And yeah, that's a, we already know the Chiefs are a dynasty. So he's 28 years uh, young, a very young guy, incredible player. Mm-hmm. Jamal Murray, his sidekick, who, by the way, had also, what, 35 points, 12 yeah. rebounds, 10 assists, something like that. Another triple-double during, the, uh, during yeah. the finals. Amazing. 26 years of age. Uh, yeah. Bruce Brown, 26 years of age. Michael Porter Jr., 20, uh, 25 years of age. Aaron Gordon, 16 years of age. And then one Christian Brown, uh, the new probably future leader of this team, 22 years of right. age. These guys are young. We are witnessing yeah. the beginning of a dynasty. Mm-hmm. Until they trade for KD, and then it's all over. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. KD's, you know, I'm, we can get on my Phoenix issues later. But yes, that is horrible. I think, I, no, I think you're right. I think it's, a, it's the makings of a But also, like, take into consideration, like, yes, Today, June, whatever, 2023, they're definitely the makings of a dynasty, but trades, injuries, growth, all sorts of stuff, retirement, all, you know, all sorts of things are going to come into play. And as much as I want to, you know, praise you, Joel, for having such clairvoyant foresight of calling these guys a dynasty, I'm always hesitant to, to throw that word out. Well, let's let's analyze it. Let's see who might be their competition for uh, the dynasty. We're looking across the aisle there, and you have the Miami Heat. I mean, they have one player. Yes, they have mm-hmm. the greatest coach out there, but it's Jimmy Buckets, right. and he's done. So they're 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 not really uh, going to be their main competitor. They're not going to do haul. much with the Celtics either. The Celtics, Celtics aren't going to do much. They might even fire their coach. I mean, they're not even going right. to sign one of their star players. They're, they're a horrible, right. uh, dis, uh, confused or franchise. 76ers. Yeah, they the fired their coach. Off their team. Yeah. yeah, they don't even well, have a second player. Right. Um, I, have, I, we're not Lakers? even going to touch on the Phoenix Suns. We're not talking about. We're not. No, the Lake. No, the Lake. No, yeah. Lakers were a dynasty. Don't get me wrong. Here's the Lakers have. They were they a have, dynasty. They have a um, um, AD uh, and and LeBroni. AD is what he played. He thinks he's 38 years of age. His body is so fragile. I can't even make it for uh-huh. half a, through half a season. You got LeBron James, who actually is probably 40 years of age. I mean, he's a medical uh-huh. miracle, but he doesn't have any future in him. Uh, and then right. they're trying to trade now for Chris Paul. You can't give me a break. I hope they have fun with that. Lakers have are done. fun with that. Milwaukee yeah. just fired their coach. So I'm saying there's yeah. not really any competition out there. And the Denver Nuggets the seemed poised. For the long, so if they don't right. mess this up, they are probably going to run off here with well, about could, four yeah. or five titles, which would be yeah, they could they could definitely definitely dominate the twenties. Um, so I mean, yeah, it, is it a, is it a distinct possibility? One hundred percent, yes. But homeboys haven't even won a championship, right? They have not watch, even watch, won a title. Watch, right? Watch the Heat come back and win, <laughs> and then you're like. Oh, this did not age well. This did not age well at all. <laughs> I, I, immediately, I immediately regret this decision. That's right. But yeah, I mean, it's it's there. All the pieces are there, right? All the pe- all all the ingredients for a recipe are right there. Now let's just see how they they blend. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how recent bias works. Right there, it's manifested because right. they won two games, and I'm ready to call them a Greatest dynasty and exalt them to the level of Patrick Mahomes. So, all right, give them the exaltation. I'm a little delusional. All right. Hey, it's been a great podcast. Thanks so much for joining in. Oh, we didn't even cover the biggest story of the day, which is that Donald oh. Trump was indicted. And we just found that out seconds before we got on this podcast. We haven't had oh a gosh. chance to dig into it. Despite the fact that I've had no chance to dig into it, it's all hooey bluey. So there you go. That's my analysis. <laughs> Love it. Love all right. It. You're- your idol worship is amazing. Oh no 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 no! Let me set the record straight. I do not. I do have no plans to vote for Donald Trump. That is for sure. My vote's going to go for Ron DeSantis uh, or Let's, Nikki Haley. You're not going to vote for Trump. You're not going to vote for Trump in the primary. 
That is correct. Make sure you preface it that. That is preface correct. That. I have no plans to that vote is, for him in the primary. And even the primary. in the general election, I got to tell you, if somehow he were to get the presidential, the Republican nomination, and he's facing a Kennedy, dare I say, kind of like that, what I'm There's seeing. No Kennedys there. that are Democrats. I like Robert Kennedy. Mean, you, think, pretty- you think RFK? This is later time. We're not going to get into this at the end of the podcast. <laughs> it's like eight o'clock at night, man. I'm not going to get into RFK's. St- this is a wonderful podcast sponsored by Comedian of Law, CLEs, where we educate and entertain. We edutain. All right. Have a great week. Talk to you later. Later. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a complete and utter mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for our marketing efforts. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Tri. Plus City Marketing for our technical and computer support.